hello, 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 and welcome to yet another edition of the Faith the Public Podcast. Joining me as always, because unfortunately his absence last week does not mean he was hit by a truck, Mr. Ryan Morrison. Ian, I like how you're uh, you're extending these intros after uh, complaints that I play music over your initial uh, your initial speech, and then the first person to really get hurt is me. So um, I appreciate the subtleness of trying to to talk longer, thinking that the music's going to be changed, but I'll just extend the fade out uh, in the post editing process. So. Yep. You are such a gigantic cocksucker. <laughs> it's uh, it's going to be back. Um, Hotel Ryan last week had a couple guests in town. Um, uh, one unexpectedly, one expectedly. Um, so we're back on track. Uh, we got a lot to cover. A little quick hitter on the national championship. Um, we will discuss the uh, latest AFC and NFC championship games, <clears throat> as well as the divisional round. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah, quick hitter on the divisional round. Quick hitter on the divisional round, a little AFC-NFC discussion, um, a little Aaron Rodgers talk, and uh, Hillary Clinton is being a huge cunt. Who would have thought? (laughs) Now that is a tease for the ages. And I gotta say, it was very gracious of you to forego the podcast last week. Uh, because it would have been yet another edition of you rubbing your correctness into my face. So I'm now, after the divisional games, so we'll just go ahead and say this, that I picked both divisional games, or both um, championship games wrong. But after the divisional games, I was 3-1. and one. Um, uh, You went 4-0 and oh in the divisional games. <coughs> oh, I'm, I went 3-1 in I'm sorry. the divisional games. I was undefeated. Um, so now you that... Went th- you went 3-1 and one in the first round. Got it. Okay. Or no, you went two and two in the first round, and I went one and three. Got it. So where are we at? You have a one-game lead. No, we're tied up. We are tied. We are tied down the middle, oh, which boy. is actually something that we need to discuss. And I wanted to wait till we were on the podcast to discuss this. Do we want to have the tiebreaker if we, if we choose the same team in the Super Bowl? What do we want the tiebreaker to be? Uh, I think the tiebreaker, let's look at props. So give me a week to look at props. Oh, we are going to do exclusively props on next week's betting segment. Okay, excellent. That and just prop bets, and then the last one will be the game itself. Excellent. Um, Like, we are going to do, we're going to pick over-under for the the national anthem. We're going to pick the color of the Gatorade. We're doing all that shit. Hell yeah. Uh, Well, in that case, let's let our listener pick the tiebreaker. Um, Chad, how about you text me what you think the tiebreaker should be? Uh, it has to pertain to the game, uh, and we'll go from there. So, um, there you go. Uh, that's how we'll decide it. Um, because we are a fair podcast and we like to cater to our audience. Um, we will let them. You know what the, the best part about this is that he could text you and tell you what the tiebreaker is, and then we pick different teams, and it's completely wasted. And and, and then and it would be great because then we could just tell Chad to go fuck himself. So I mean, I'll still gladly do that, but that's I don't even know the guy, but you know what? Well, um, this right. is a nice this is a nice little uh, um, a nice little segue here. Chad is an LSU graduate, and. Uh, he spent, I believe, $3,800 on tickets for the championship game. Um, money well spent. Oh, is that all? That's it. Only $3,800. Um, 
I believe Obel, Odell Beckham Jr. was seen giving him the cash before the game, but uh, if you listen to LSU, it was fake money. So someone got ripped off there. We just don't know who. But uh, mm-hmm. big game for the Tigers, um, the LSU Tigers. I decided to bet go, on go, Clemson go, like a fucking go Tigers by a mo- like a moron, thinking that the public was all over LSU. And uh, sure enough, Clemson comes out. The one time I root for them, they lay a fucking egg. Um, and I my ice-cold betting streak they, continues. It looked like they were going to be dominant for the first quarter, quarter and a half. Yeah. And then Clemson did nothing. They did the nothing in the second half. Dabo was so fucking conservative. I don't know what he was scared of, but he he was calling that game so conservatively. Kicking the, or punting the ball from like the 35 a couple times in the first half. Uh, and then my one thing is everyone wanted to say Lawrence stunk, but the one thing I noticed about the game that I thought was unfair to Lawrence was that all of his throws seemed to be going to the boundaries. It's like there was something over the middle of the field that scared uh, Clemson offensively um, because most of those throws Lawrence was trying to make we're into tight windows, like out routes, 15, 20-yard out routes across the field. Long, difficult throws to make. So I don't know what was going on there. I, I didn't, you know, I haven't seen the All-22 um, to really tell you or, or break down why they were doing that. But uh, definitely interesting. Um, Burrow was money. You could honestly say that this LSU team was one of the greatest single-season teams of all time. This may this legitimately may be the greatest, uh, at least offensively, the greatest offensive uh, national championship team ever, and one of uh, like top ten greatest football college football teams of all time. Right, without a doubt, um, Burrow. We, I kept waiting for him to make a mistake, and he never did. All year, was it whether it was Alabama, the national championship game, the SEC championship game, he never faltered. The guy played a perfect season, which is amazing because, you know, he was okay last year, but he wasn't, you know, he wasn't amazing. He did, he wasn't even close to what he was this year. So uh, perfect throws in the championship game. I, it took him a little, it took him a couple series to get warmed up. He looked a little rattled in the first quarter, but uh, one hell of a game by Burrow Joe, and one hell of a season, honestly. Joe Burrow had the single greatest season of any college quarterback uh, and it came out of com- completely out of nowhere, without question, out of fucking nowhere. And this this was raised a after seeing that picture of him smoke or the video of him smoking a cigar where it just slowly pans around. I have to ask: Is Joe Burrow? Is he the coolest white person to come out of college in the last decade? In the last decade, the coolest white person. Woof. Um, see, Baker Mayfield was just a douchebag. And there's really nobody in college you could say was the coolest white guy. Or in college basketball. I mean, you know, I can't think of like one. The, the swag, like, who who had the swagger? The clo- I think the closest person would have been Baker Mayfield. Yeah, honestly, honestly, Baker Mayfield with that kind of confidence. I think it's... But the thing about Baker is Baker was, like, loud and and confident, and Baker made mistakes. Burrow was confident to where, like, I mean, he's quiet and focused and poised, and he would make throws. He's the new Joe Cool. Yeah, 150%. 
coming off him coming off the field and pointing at his ring finger to uh, to Coach O was like single handedly one of the coolest things I've ever seen. Like I wish I could be that cool. You know, he throws a bomb of a pass. He turns around. And he just starts jogging off the field. He's like, "Yep, yeah, that's a good pass. That's a touchdown." Oh yeah, you know? this is this goes into the the category. There's like a few things that I think of like. Maybe once a week or like once a month whenever I'm watching sports, uh, especially, but in other things, I, it, it, he's one of those people where I look at it and I think he is better at one at being a quarterback than I will ever be at anything ever, and it makes me sad. I mean, he's the gr- one of the greatest of all time, and I- I'm sorry, Ian, but you, you know you can only be so great in finance. I don't think you're the you're the next John D. Rockefeller. I hate to break it to you. It doesn't have to be in. Po- it doesn't have to be in finance. Could be in podcasting if your sorry ass would pick up the pace. Look, I'm great. I'm great. Let's let's put this up for debate too. We're, I'm going to start a poll to see who needs to improve more. It's definitely going to be me. What but, what are we? The Dan Levitard yeah. show? <laughs> yep. I don't know that reference. I don't watch Dan Levitard. But uh, Dan Levitard, one of his bits is that he makes polls that have no, like, have no semblance of being important or relevant, and as a way of just showing that polling the audience means absolutely nothing. Uh, my personal favorite one that they ever did was after uh, after a Monday Night Football game between the Patriots and the Dolphins. Where, where Tom Brady didn't throw, I think he threw had negative passing yards in the first quarter. He asked the following day, which is more likely that Tom Brady doesn't th- doesn't throw for any passing yards in the first quarter or in any quarter, or that he gets abducted by a dragon in the middle of a game. <laughs> uh, that's pretty and good. I think it was sixty to forty in favor of the dragon. That's fucking great. Oh man, he's pretty good. I do like Levitard. I just don't know how to watch his show. So, um, so I guess uh, I guess then we can transition to the NFL. Um, a little quick hitter on the divisional games. Um, uh, Tennessee just punched Baltimore in the mouth early. Had a few bounces go their way. Yep. Uh, and Baltimore just the biggest difference that I saw there is that they turned the ball over and just couldn't convert in the couldn't convert when they were in Tennessee territory. They scored, I believe, a total of 12 points in the game and the they had drives that ended on the Tennessee 9, Tennessee 35, Tennessee 32, Tennessee 28, the Tennessee 7, the Tennessee 9 again and the Tennessee 1. And they had twelve. They had twelve points scored total in that game. Failure to convert, and and Derrick Henry was just a fucking monster. They had no. I think he had a hundred a hundred and eighty yards. Yeah, just no answer for him. And uh, I think that was between those two things. That was the difference in that game. Um, what else was big? Packers beat the Seahawks. Seahawks were just an incomplete team. How does Brian Schottenheimer have a fucking job? I don't know. (laughs) You you do know who that is, right? That is the offensive coordinator for for the Seahawks. Seahawks. That seems to not realize that they have arguably the best fucking quarterback in the league until it's the fourth quarter and they're down by 16 points. Yeah. 
It is mind-boggling how they're just like, fuck it. Oh, shit, we have Russell Wilson on our fucking team. (laughs) Why were we handing the ball off to two running backs that hadn't been on the team until two weeks ago? Uh, well, that's that's the thing. It is, it is look, a listen, devil's, of justice. devil's advocate. Um, they are figuring that there was no film on Lynch, so they're like, "We'll just give it to Marshawn because there's no film on him." They don't know what they don't. You know, know what why there was no film on Lynch? Because he's been out of the league for two years. Yeah, yeah, but he came back and he took care of his bread. All right. It was it was an inside deal with Schottenheimer. Trust me. I know these things. Tinfoil Hat Ryan is back. I always love Tinfoil Hat Ryan. Uh, moving on to the other games, uh, the Houston Texans. I, my favorite description of the game between the Texans and the Chiefs is that only Bill O'Brien could turn a 24-point lead into a career-ending game. Yeah, so listen, what was amazing to me about that is, like, if you look, if you get rid of that, those first couple, t- like, the 24 points, what did what did Kansas City score straight? It was, like, 51-3 to three or something like that? No, I, I, yes, yes, I believe it was the, I think if you took out the first quarter is what this was. It was 44 to 3 would have been the f- score of the game. Yeah, just a complete fucking like demolishing. Um so slow start. Kansas City's like obviously proved they could score and obviously you know they're playing in the in Super Bowl so they're, they're the real deal. Um and then what was the other game? Uh Niners. The 49ers versus the Minnesota Vikings. Yeah. Uh, that was that was one that I had too much faith in the Vikings to keep it close. Uh, I knew that the 49ers were going to win. I just thought because they'd be running the ball that they wouldn't get as much of a lead, uh, which was, if, if you paid attention to the championship weekend, that clearly is not a great, a great philosophy to go with. Uh, the 49ers, as I can see it, uh, have been the most complete team in the NFC all season, and they just asserted their will on the NFC in these playoffs. Yeah, yeah, and 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 much to my surprise, honestly, I mean, guess I guess jumping back to Championship Weekend, um, where the Niners just dominated, uh, dominated. Uh, just the for Packers. the record, just for the record, you took the road dogs, and I took the home favorites. Correct. Um, I did not think Aaron Rodgers would play as poorly as he did. Um, and they just got fucking annihilated in San Jose. Not San Francisco, San Jose. Um, yep. Just, I mean, honestly... You know what like, my favorite statistic that I saw in the middle of the game was? I believe it was either at the end of the third quarter or beginning of the second quarter. Raheem Mostert had 19 rushes. He was averaging on those 19 rushes 10.3 yards per carry. That's unbelievable. Unbelievable. I mean, literally 200 yards rushing. 220 yards rushing, four touchdowns. This dude has played on seven teams, but Kyle Shanahan has turned him into an unstoppable force. Okay, question. And do you think it's do you think it's the hat? Do you think it's the quicksilver hat that he wears? 
It looks like he's going surfing. Kyle Shanahan. Oh, yeah. Well, you know Kyle Shanahan named his son Carter after Lil Wayne, right? I did not know that. Yes. After Lil Wayne. Yes. Does he he's know? a huge Lil Wayne fan. Does he know Lil Wayne? I'm sure that they've met at some point now, because that story came out like a year or two ago. But uh, I'm, I don't think that they know each other personally like very well. Interesting guy, this Kyle Shanahan. Um, regardless, one hell of a football coach. Um, I was impressed. I mean, obviously, 220 yards rushing uh, for Moffitt. Is it Moffitt? Mossert? Mossert? Mostert. I don't even know his fucking name. Raheem Mostert. M-O-S-T-E-R-T. Watching that game, I like. I bet on, of course I bet on the fucking Green Bay Packers first half and game. And... Um, <sighs> And I'm just watching him just tear up the defense. I'm like, who the fuck is this guy? And Rodgers was just inept. You clearly haven't been paying attention to the 49ers all season. No, I, no, I haven't. I really haven't. Um, and, yet you, and yet you took this opportunity to be like, Aaron Rodgers is good. So I'm going to ignore the fact that this other team had a better record and is the number one seed now with the home field advantage. Seven and points, dude. It was eight points. Eight points. I just thought it would be close. Neither game was close. Kansas City beat the fuck out of the Titans, too. Yeah, we can discuss that in a second. But the thing about the 49ers is that they didn't even use their passing attack, which is really fucking good. Yeah, they, they threw like nine passes. I mean, the Packers got beat by Navy. Yeah, they... They have the, arguably the best tight end in the game, like in the league, and they just didn't use him because the threat of having him left Raheem Mostert. I think I saw a statistic. It was less than 20% of the time where there are eight or more people in the box against Raheem Mostert runs. So that means that on... 80% of his runs, he was only facing seven defenders in the box or less or fewer. That was, and that's why he, that's why they kept doing it. I think they asked Kyle Shanahan after the game why he kept running. He's like, because it kept working. Yeah. It's like playing sometimes, Madden. Sometimes it's that simple. Sometimes it is, and that's the problem with a lot of NFL coaches, is that they overthink it. They're like, I need it to be this this way. I think it was uh, the coach for the St. Louis uh, Greatest Show on Turf back in the day. It was well known that he would never call the same play twice in a game, and so the defenses that figured that out just would know that if they ran a play, they didn't have to worry about seeing it for the entire rest of the game. And that gives that gives them an advantage, especially in the fourth quarter, that you don't want to give them. Right. Right, because especially if you have option routes or something, and, and the you know you know what to cover. A guy might yeah. might fake a post and, and run it out, but if he's already run the out, you know he's going for the post. Mm-hmm. You know, um, Dana used to do that. Dana had that same philosophy of if the play works, we're going to keep running it till they stop it. Yeah. You know. The uh, and then over in what looked like it was going to be 
just one of the most entertaining turn of events where the Tennessee Titans were about 40 minutes away from being from a trip to the Super Bowl and then they just fucking collapsed. I don't think they scored enough. I no, I think they scored one more touchdown after that, but they gave up 28 consecutive points to the Kansas City Chiefs. They the Chiefs just cracked the code on them. The Chiefs seem to score in bunches, don't they? Have you noticed that in the last two playoff games? Well, the, that's how they always seem to score is because the the opposing defense comes in with a really good philosophy that works for the first uh, quarter, quarter and a half or so. And then they're like, oh. And then they realize we have arguably the greatest offensive head coach of all time on the bench. Maybe he'll figure something out. And he does by about halftime every game. And that is really the big concern because he he figured out what needed to happen. And from that point forward, Tennessee just – their defense just didn't stand a chance. Yeah. Mahomes is that good. Well, it, it's also – it's one of those things where it's also like the pairing. It's not so much just that Mahomes is that good, but it's because he complements – the receivers he has, and it's comp- all complemented by the play calling of Andy Reid. Because you can't take full advantage of Tyreek Hill if you don't have the arm strength of Patrick Mahomes. But you can't take a- full advantage of uh, the passing, the pass-catching ability of uh, Travis Kelsey if you, can't, if you don't have the proper routes designed by Andy Reid. And that sort of stuff is all what combines into making this one of the best offensive attacks that we've seen in years, and it's just consistently there. It's going to come down, I think, to a Super Bowl of, I mean, it's going to be such an offensive battle and such a, a clash of styles. I'm, I, th- I think it's going to be very entertaining. Um, I don't know if it'll be close, and we'll obviously discuss this more next week, but um, I don't know how close it will be just because the styles clash so much. I completely disagree with you. I think that this is, and it gives gives away my my pick for the for the over under. I don't care what it is. It is going to be an absolute fucking boat race. We will see, sir. We will see. Uh, I take that you're going to take the over. That that's good because I'm, I'm probably going to take the under just because this is the kind of game where you want to bet the under. Um. Other topics, um, West Virginia basketball, what a weekend, huh? Uh, I was very depressed for a couple hours on Saturday. Same. So, um... That was, that was the... I love how we just annually have that inexplicable loss that has no excuse. There is literally no excuse for why we would lose in the octagon, octagon of doom. Uh, when Kansas State is probably the worst team in the conference. Yeah. And that is probably going to be the loss that keeps us from winning the regular season Big 12 title. I don't know about that, but I will say that it could hurt, hurt us in seeding. Like, that's going to be the one where we're right on the wire between a one and a two seed or a two and a three seed, and it's going to bump us. It's going to bump us down to a lower seed. Mm-hmm. Um, I I was disappointed just like with the effort it looked like they just didn't get off the damn bus 
passes getting thrown away. We turned the ball over. We couldn't shoot. No one looked like they wanted to be there. Um, and well, also, just the inability to defend the three the entire game. Right. Wide open shots on the perimeter. No, and the, the thing that lends, it, lends itself to what you were saying about lack of effort is the amount of defensive rebounding that was allowed by, or the amount of offensive rebounding that was allowed to Kansas State was inexcusable. Oh yeah. When we have the bigs that we have, the they're the top two rebounding they have the top two rebounding uh front court players in the league, in the conference, and just they get out rebounded by these uh guys that don't have name tags. And and genuinely like it, it didn't make any sense um the entire game. It made no sense. I was frustrated, and people wanted to complain about the officiating, but the officiating I don't think mattered um, for the most there part. There were times when the officiating was downright bad, but it was not the reason that they lost. No. Um, so fast forward 51 hours uh, to Monday night, and holy shit. Um, maybe the most complete ass-kicking from a Mountaineer team I've ever seen. It was it was so complete that Mackie was able to get a three. Yeah, just the icing on the cake of like, all right, we smacked you around for four. We almost scored a hundred points. We don't against a conference opponent. Um, apparently, and, and Napper didn't play because he tried to get up and like quit. He, he didn't try to quit the team, but I guess he got pissed off at Huggins during the Kansas State game and tried to like walk off the bench. That's why he didn't play. Um, mm-hmm. But I guess when they got back Saturday night, they practiced. Um, they had a team-only practice, no no coaches. Um, they practiced until like 3 in the morning on Saturday night when they got home. Um, that tells me that this team, these guys are mature. They want to win, um, and they're focused. They know Which what is such a stark difference from when, when the oldest guys on the team were Issa Maud and... Who the, who was the other guy that was kicked off the team West, last Wesley year? Wesley Harris. Oh my God, those two were just the laziest pieces of shit. You want to talk about the most the biggest waste of talent, or possibly in West Virginia basketball history? It was the Issa Maud recruitment. Absolutely, Issa and dude, he regressed every year. He was great as a freshman, and he regressed every year. Um, yeah. What Huggins has done, you know, we lose, you lose Lamont West. You lose so many players from last year. No, they weren't necessarily contributors, but we're basically playing with a brand new team. Sands, yes. Sands Derek Culver, and Brandon Knapper, and Emmett, you know, they're like five guys, but even those guys last year were young. I mean, they were freshmen. Well, like, McCabe is one of those people where his contributions on the court aren't the reason why he's such a a pivotal, uh, a pivotal aspect and member of the team. It's the fact that he provides a level of maturity and stability to the team. Right. And leadership. Right. Uh, also, the Sports Center bit that they did on uh, Mackie this morning, uh, they called him Maccabee instead of McCabe, which was fun. Maccabee? <laughs> Maccabee. Mac. <laughs> Uh, Pat McAbee, the fucking uh, the, it's a nice little mixture of uh, 
uh, of football and, and basketball. That's funny as hell. Uh-huh. Jesus. Um, I guess when you fire all your decent talent, that's what happens at ESPN, but that's another rant for another day. Um, so, yeah, um, really change of change of mood from Saturday afternoon to last night. Um, this team could win it all. I have been saying that, maybe not on this podcast. We haven't really talked much basketball on this podcast, but... Um, no, nope, because we had to. We were focused on football. Now, uh, I'm not sure if this is what if we very well publicize this. But moving forward, we're going to be big college basketball, and I'm going to have hockey talk while you sit there and fucking deal with it. That's fine. We can talk hockey. Maybe I'll start watching or gambling on it so I can learn it. Um, because mm-hmm. honestly, I couldn't tell you other than PK Subban. I don't know, and uh, I guess. Um, I was going to call him Mason Crosby. <laughs> Christ. Uh, Do you know his first name? I should. I'm thinking, I'm, I'm having a blank. I'm having such a blank right now. Who is the best player in the league over the last decade? <laughs> it's, uh, oh, uh, Alexander Ovechkin. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was hoping you were going to say Patrick Kane, uh, but it the the word the name you're looking for is Sydney. Sydney, Sydney that's it. Okay, excellent. This is great because I hope we can start talking hockey so we can get Marone to listen, and I'll sound purposely like an idiot the entire time. You won't have to put too much effort into that big guy. Well, you know, par for the course, I guess. Um, so yeah. WV basketball, fucking great. Um, really excited. We played Missouri this weekend. Um, it should be an easy win, but we'll we'll see what happens. Um, all right, that's kind of sports recap. Ian, anything else you wanted to cover from the last couple of weeks? Um, from the last couple of weeks, no. That's pretty much it for football, uh, college basketball. Um, oh, there just an update. That before we even started really covering college basketball, there have been seven different number one teams this season. So that's just an interesting, fun little fact. The field's wide open. And that's why I think this could be a year where we could get it done. Um, just because the field's so wide open. We could easily beat Baylor. I think we'll beat Baylor twice this year. I think we'll beat them I think we there. can, but I think that we'll split the series. Road games are tough. But if we can steal one down there in Waco, that would be huge for our Big 12 title hopes. I think the I think it's a lot it, that would be helpful but not necessary. I think we have to win the all of the home games that we have left to be able to compete for the Big 12 title. Definitely. Oh, we can't drop a home game. Can't do it. No. Can't do it. Uh All right. Well, um in that case, uh we will jump into our dumpster fire of the week and Ian since we're talking college basketball, I'll let you go first. Well, well, well. A late breaking dumpster fire of the week. Uh, it was, I think it took place not one hour ago, where the end of the, <laughs> the end of the Kansas Kansas State game in Fog Island Fieldhouse, uh, a game that was a 21 point victory for the home team. Ended in an all-out brawl between the teams after the clock had hit double zeros. <laughs> and it featured my personal favorite screenshot. 
which was the uh, D'Souza wielding a chair over an opponent as if, as if he was about to beat the shit out of them with a steel chair. So what I'd like to a say, stool. first off, um, I really respect the fact that they waited till the game was over to fight. Um, you know, that's, Kansas, that's, that's the love of the game right there. Kansas State laid at, laid down for for forty minutes and took their ass whooping uh, as they as they should have. And at the end of the game, they said, "Okay, now it's our turn to beat your ass." Um, so um, respect to both teams for you know just waiting till the game was over. That's that's love of the game. That's respect for the game. Um, waiting till the clock's hit zero before we we started swinging punches. Um, number two. Really love the D'Souza chair aspect. Um, Kansas fans are notoriously uneducated. Um, and drawing parallels here, uneducated people also love the WWE. Um, so what D'Souza was actually doing here was connecting to the Kansas fans, especially those that love the WWE, by um, pretending it was a fake chair. It wasn't going to actually hit the guy with it. Okay, so he, he picked it up, and, and the chair breaks. Like, you know, just it's made to break in half. And um, uh, I, I was going to say, uh, it's important that you clarified that, because I'm not sure if you know this. Most chairs will break if swung at another person and contact is made. Well, I mean, that's props to the chair makers. They had this exact incident in mind when this happened. Um, so... Luckily, D'Souza didn't get the opportunity to swing it. Um, the referee called the fight um, a little early. Uh, really stinks because because uh, Bill Self had actually climbed into the rafters. He was about to jump out um, through the announcer's table. Uh, but do you think he's a frog splash kind of guy, or do you think he's more of an elbow drop kind of? He's guy? an elbow drop. I mean, literally, I saw them rehearsing this before the game. He, he was up in the rafters. And the distraction's over kind of to the right, and he, he, he's going to elbow drop onto Fran Fraschilla at the announcer's table. Never would have seen it coming. No, no it one saw it coming. Uh, well, see, that's, that actually raises the question. Would Bruce Weber have broken out the RKO out of nowhere while everyone was distracted by the, by the chair-wielding D'Souza? So Bruce Weber, I would say, is... I'm trying to compare him to a a WWE character because he's such a fucking pussy. Um, maybe, uh, who's a, who's a big weenie in the WWE? Who doesn't know what he like? Uh, I think historically it was someone that would run away all the time would have been, oh man, I don't know. Think of think like, of Weber as being like maybe a get like a celebrity guest who just gets the shit kicked out of him. You know what I'm saying? Oh, there was that one year that Drew Carey was in the Royal Rumble. Yeah, like that's that's what he's doing out there. I mean, nobody likes Bruce Weber. I mean, he's probably gonna fight in the girls' fight anyway, um, just because of his size. So, um, you know, Bruce was Bruce was kind of off on the side. You know, back he he ran away from the fight, um, but. Really, just a, a great look for Kansas basketball, you know, especially in the midst of all the Adidas scandals and claims of, you know, them really not having control over their program. The fact that they could wait until the end of the game to fight um, and, then, and then really not even – they didn't even throw the chair. It was just a threat. They didn't actually throw the chair. So clean fight, 
Just some curb stopping, a couple fists. They cleared the benches, but that's that's just a fair fight. They saw Kansas I mean, State was clearing the... You can't have just... How are you supposed to have a ring to demonstrate the... I mean, they don't have actual ropes that they can put well, that's, up that's around why they the went, court. They needed people there to serve as the ropes. They went over like to the student section in- where there is a railing, which is basically the rope, honestly, and it's kind of okay. padded. If you see that, yeah. So, so, I mean, they they really did it well, right. Well, they needed that for the turnbuckle. They that, that was the only way they could jump from the top rope without without going to the rafters like the uh, like the incomparable Bill Self. Did. Exactly. I mean, he's he is known for playing the game the right way and for his ingenuity, which is why he was able to get to the rafters because no one else would have thought of that. No. No, and that's that's Bill Self really just uh, just being a step ahead of the game, um, you know. He is he's demonstrated full control over this program by sh- by having orchestrating this so that he could get into position with Fran Fraschilla there at the table. Uh, the honestly the biggest shot against him in this whole thing is that they didn't make it last long enough for him to pull off the diving elbow. Yeah, and that's just poor choreography. I mean, I get it. It's they're amateurs, right? You know, no one at Kansas. Uh, I mean, they're college kids. You can't expect too much from them. No, and they're they're they're, they're not we'll getting get paid. They're amateurs. They're not getting paid at Kansas. So, um, uh, yes, uh, we will we will check back in on that uh, after the NCAA finishes their uh, their investigation. Uh, which uh, how long is that expected to take? Uh, probably about the time Bill Self retires. And all of the players that are currently there have gone on to long NBA careers. See, my my guess was going to be that it waits at least until after the tournament so that then they can suspend the players. Because then it will have been brought to their attention that something improper had happened. Because an assistant coach, without any knowledge for Bill Self, uh, being provided to Bill Self that this had happened... Uh, had provided small, inconsequential, uh, but yet still improper benefits. If they have Will Wade, uh, the guy at LSU on tape, talking about literally having to pay a player hundreds of thousands of dollars and they haven't arrested anybody or suspended anybody, I, there's no way Kansas gets in trouble. There's no way. They, make, they bring too much money in. At the end of the day, it's about the almighty dollar. But uh, anyway... Um, great fight and uh, props to props to Kansas. It will be um, you know I respect. I really we I think we all appreciate the WWE aspect they're trying to bring into college basketball. Do you think that who do you think would be the next best team to have come in as their opponent in the next brawl that they have re reigniting the WWE? Um. Well, I would say New Mexico State because Carlton Bragg, who pushed a woman down the stairs, um, at while he He's was at Kansas, heel. is is now uh, on New Mexico State, but that's no longer the case because he got kicked off for smoking marijuana um, or getting arrested for DWI. So that one kind of takes a back burner. Um, well, I'm glad that they took priority on deciding what to kick him off the team for because you know pushing him down, pushing a woman down the stairs, I mean that 
who amongst let he who is he who is without sin cast the first stone. I mean, who amongst us hasn't been in that situation? Right. I mean, but you know, there's nothing less excusable than or more. There's nothing excusable about getting a DWI by smoking some weed. It's unbelievable. I mean, it's a heinous crime. Honestly. It, I'm sure that they had a difficulty I'm sure that, uh, catching him in a in a low speed chase because he was probably driving about seven miles an hour. And the th- you know the thing uh, the thing that gets what, the thing that gets me about pushing someone down the stairs is I mean it's just normally just a joke. I mean, do you not know that when you push someone down the stairs with a lot of force, it's not that far. It's like ten feet. Doesn't hurt. I mean, it's it's stairs. You know, it's it is the the traditional home remedy. For pregnancy. Right. It's a step-by-step-by-step method of terminating a pregnancy. Right. It's honestly, you know, and here's the thing about pushing pushing a woman down the stairs, is it is just a protest to anti-abortion laws. Right? I mean, that, exactly. is, that is planned parenthood in its, own, in its own right. And I don't know about you, but I am not going to stand for the people who take a position against this man... As he was making a very clear and obvious protest in favor of a woman's right to choose. That's right. That's right. That's right. This podcast, for the record, is pro-choice. So. Um, oh, do- sorry. No, I'm I'm just pro-abortion. Oh. I'm I'm a big fan of the baby killing. Okay. That would be infanticide, but. <laughs> um. Details, details, tomato, tomato. Ah. <laughs> uh, well, okay. Now that we've thoroughly now that we've spent now that we've thoroughly ten to fifteen minutes on this Kansas basketball situation, let's move on to your dumpster fire of the week. My dumpster fire of the week is the Democratic Party. Speaking of pro pro choice, um, I'll just start this segment by saying Hillary Clinton is a fucking cunt, and she is so out of touch with her own party and. I don't know if she just can't read social media. Does there anyone out there that likes Hillary? Please, like, yes, like, I want to look shocking. at. I want to look at someone who likes Hillary. I want a list of ten redeeming qualities about Hillary Clinton, because I don't think you can get past like zero. You can't do it. You can't name what is one thing Hillary Clinton has done that's great, other than incite wars in the Middle East, fuck up the Benghazi situation. And totally trash all of her, uh, all of like anyone who stands in her way. She's murdered hundreds of people, probably. Don't be ridiculous. It's dozens. It's okay. <laughs> all right. <laughs> hundreds. Now, you could argue she's responsible for the deaths of hundreds of people, but that's just because of the wars that she's responsible for advocating so, in the Middle East. So she comes out. Libya. She comes out and pretty much says Bernie Sanders is a fucking clown, and I will not endorse him. Meanwhile, the New York Times, who is a d- dumpster fire in their own right, comes out and endorses Elizabeth Warren, who once again. No, no, no. They endorse Elizabeth Warren and Amy Klobuchar. Okay, they endorse both of them. They have they they endorse two people for a position that can only hold one that can only be held by one person at a time. Meanwhile, Bernie Sanders is like second in the polls to Joe Biden. Right? Yes. Tulsi's out of the race. It's a fucking dude, it's January. They're going to elect we're going to have an election for president in ten months. 
and they don't know who, they don't even know kind of who their candidate is yet. I'm telling you, this they're going to shoot themselves in the foot. There's no way they win the fucking election, especially if the economy stays the way it is and we stay out of any kind of crazy international conflict, which I think we will. Uh, and and Trump is going to win in a fucking landslide. The only way I if Tulsi would have won the primary, I would totally vote for Tulsi. And I think honestly, like Bernie's economic policies suck. But like if he picked up Tulsi as vice president, I could see how it could work. I can see it. Is that because you'd expect him to have a heart attack in the next two weeks? Look, look, he's old. Okay, that's all I'm saying. <laughs> all right. Yeah. But I mean, what a fucking, what a just clusterfuck of an of, a, of an election cycle it's been for them, and for your you your leader, a- your leader who nobody likes but says, I mean, like she's basically the Vladimir Putin of the Democratic Party. Everybody likes me, but nobody really likes you. But if someone says they don't like you, they wind up dead in a jail cell three months later. That's ridiculous. That's only if they have evidence against her. Um, the It is worth noting two things. Uh, one, I believe that this is very much looking like the 2012 situation with the parties reversed. I think that everyone's looking, like, has taken a look at all of these other candidates. They looked at Cory Booker, Kamala Harris, looked at uh, Bernie Sanders, Pete Buttigieg, Elizabeth Warren, even Amy Klobuchar, Mike Bloomberg's gotten a look. Hell, Tom Steyer made it on multiple debate stages. Andrew Yang's got a lot of online support. But this is all just a workaround until it ends up with creepy Joe Biden. Yeah, it's going to be creepy fucking Joe, and he's going to get demolished. He's going to get his ass waxed in the election. Joe Biden, it is concerning listening to him because I I don't want to sit here and make fun of Joe Biden because he legitimately is going senile. And like I'm more than happy to sit here and like mock politicians like... Uh, like Hillary Clinton or Bernie Sanders, but Joe Biden is not all there. And frankly, it feels like even though he was vice president, it feels like I'm I'm mocking like a, the elderly senile person that he is, and it just doesn't feel good making fun of him. Whoever is in charge of his campaign is so desperate to not have Bernie Sanders win the win the nomination that they are actually putting him through this and it is really kind of disturbing yeah honestly and the and the second thing is none of these people actually stand a chance against trump because it's so easy to sit there and be like yeah no i'd much rather have this person to trump but then you see the debate where Donald Trump actually comes out, and he's not like people have avoided bringing up the Native American thing with Elizabeth Warren. People have avoided bringing up a lot of the calming shit with Bernie Sanders. People have avoided bringing up the Hunter Biden stuff with Joe Biden. Donald Trump will not do that. That is the second, that is my second point. He will not do that. I saw very, I just saw a tweet that said that, uh, who else is excited for when Joe Biden debates Donald Trump for the first time? And in the front row is Hunter Biden's baby mama, uh, that he was, it was just declared in a paternity test. 
And Donald Trump looks at Joe Biden and says, have you met your grandson recently? And just points directly at them. Because he'll do it. That's a thing he, that he'll, will He'll happen. totally do it. Dude, he's a reality... His, his, first, his first name is reality TV. You know, like that... He is, he's he in it. The ratings four, be- of Don, uh, four of Bill Clinton's accusers, <laughs> rape accusers, to the debates... Yeah. And put them in the front row. They were his personal guests. And here's dude, not the, his family. The fucking rape accus the people who launch rape accusations at Bill Clinton. This dude is fucking ruthless. He doesn't care. That's the thing. Dude is like, he knows how to get in your fucking head. And I love it. I think that is the best like I love the fact that Trump is not scared to do shit like that. You know? Because it's not really fucked up, and he knows it's going to piss you off. That's why he does it, you know, because he's winning the head game. No matter what, he's winning the head game. And I think it's fucking great. I follow, I follow someone on Twitter who says is every, like, it basically comes up every, once every two or three weeks. Donald Trump's greatest superpower is that he can convince his opponents to endorse terrorist regimes. Yeah. <laughs> Straight up, dude. Straight up. It's amazing. It's absolutely incredible. I love it. Man, I can't wait for debate season with, with Trump in the primary. In the primary like, like I've been saying for years, if, if, you, if you can't laugh at the clowns, then don't, watch the, then don't go to the circus. Exactly. Okay, on to your boomer of the week. Who is your uh, boomer of the week? My boomer of the week is the security guard in the LSU locker room. Um, so in, perfect, perfect choice in, in classic, um, boomer in classic boomer esque tendencies. Uh, LSU was busy celebrating their huge victory over Clemson in the national championship, um, smoking some stogies in the Superdome locker room and a security guard, not a police officer, police officer, a security guard, uh, came into the locker room and threatened to arrest everybody in the room, um, for smoking inside as it is illegal. Um, to which point, uh, Odell Beckham Jr. Jr. slapped the guy on the ass. The guy um, wanted to press charges, and then when the backlash came out, everyone was just like, yo, why did you even care that they were smoking cigars? And the guy backed off. Um, so uh, that is, I don't know the guy's name, um, but very boomeresque actions from him, so that is my boomer of the week. Okay, and uh, my boomer of the week. It's, uh, is it Ronnie? Is Ronnie no back? Surprise! It's Ronnie's back, man. Dude, uh, Ronnie is Ronnie, on a fucking roll. Well, Ronnie, he's. I'll be honest. I sort of, I've, I've sort of committed this to just almost always being Ronnie. Not sure if the listener has noticed, but that's that's sort of my thing. So last week, he managed to schmooze his way into being put in charge of the cafeteria menu. Interesting. And, yeah, yeah, no, you'd be surprised that this is something... But, you see, the only reason he wanted this is because the, the guy who was in there before him had let his wife put together, like, this really nice and healthy set of meals for all the people at the, at the construction site. And so, 
she had done this really nice thing, tried to make it so that everyone was eating healthier. Well, Ronnie, he said, fuck that. Why are we eating healthier? We can do whatever the fuck we want. Just threw that menu out on this chick's birthday. Just an absolutely... Just absolutely cold, heartless move. So Ronnie, exactly. Ronnie really, like we talked about, like, you know, like similar to Donald Trump, Ronnie really knows how to get under his opponent's skin. You, yeah, yeah, you'd, you'd think so. It's, 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 it's really a talent that he has. Uh, honestly, I'm surprised that R- Donald Trump hasn't brought Ronnie to the White House uh, just because he seems like they, he, Honestly, it seems like the exact type of person that Donald Trump would love to have in the White House. Sounds like they, they think a lot alike, you could yep. say. Yeah, interesting. I, I think it's pretty safe to say that, that, Ro, that Ronnie is a Donald Trump supporter. I, do, I don't know for certain, haven't asked him, uh, but that, that's, my, that's my guess. What kind of uh, food did we put on this menu now? Uh, it's it's just the usual stuff now. It's like sloppy joes, burgers, dogs, like lot lot of like pizzas, like some some very unhealthy stuff. Not really taking into account the necessary nutrients. Not really paying attention to the food pyramid, that sort of stuff. Oh, perfect! It's very American. I love that. That's great. Yeah. Fried foods are are a lot more common. Excellent. Well, you know, I'm glad. Um, I'm glad that Ronnie is supporting a childhood that we all deserve. You know, because you know, this is Ronnie being kind to um, to kids, and the idea that you know he understands that your metabolism slows down when you get older, but it's pretty fast when you're a kid. So you know, he's saying, "Hey, indulge yourself while you can." It's a favor to these kids. Right? Yeah. That's what I'm thinking. I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Good for Ronnie. Yep. So uh, do you have any, any games you would like to pick this weekend? You know, I honestly don't. I think uh, maybe we take a little break um, here on picks unless you have any you have circled for the weekend. Um, and uh, we can hit it hard next week um, with a gambling-focused episode on uh, prop bets and our Super Bowl picks. Uh, there are, there is one in particular that stands out to me, uh, in terms of college basketball. I'm going to wait until after the Super Bowl to start making hockey picks. Uh, but since college football's over, I'm going to go ahead and point, make this. I think that Texas Tech, uh, wins straight up against Kentucky. There, I'm not sure what the, what the line is. Uh, they haven't. Uh, ESPN doesn't have it listed for the college basketball. Yeah, lines won't games. be out until yeah. lines won't be out until Saturday morning. So, yeah. So the uh, I'm just gonna go money line, and I think Texas. I think Kentucky's having a down year. I think Texas Tech wins straight up. Uh, they're nine and one at home this season. Uh, Texas Tech is one of the four best teams in the Big Twelve. Kentucky's having a down year. I think that this is a I think that this is a clear win for Texas Tech. I have to agree with you. Believe it or not. So, uh on that note, um a quick episode for you this week. We will be back next week as discussed with uh a complete Super Bowl breakdown, um maybe some more politics 
and of course dumpster fires and boomers of the week as well uh i am ryan morrison with me as always is ian collins don't forget to fade the public fade the public fuckers